Welcome on in to this Wednesday edition of OA News Overtime. I'm Sarah Polcheski. I'm here with Justin Lean, Jordan Hill. Hi. Guys, go ahead and say hello. 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 What's up? So another busy week in Auburn sports we got going on. Spring sports are about to start starting this weekend. We still got all of our winter sports and, you know, some Auburn football because the news with Auburn football never ends. So, guys, how are you doing today? It's good. It's that busy kind of intersection of the different sports. It's uh, it's a busy time, but we're busy people, man. We don't we don't slow down. I know Justin can speak to that. There are times when we we stop from a sprint and switch to a marathon, and then you switch back from a marathon back to a sprint again. It's great. Well, at least we all got a little bit of rest after signing day. That was quite a week last week, and now slowing down right before things start picking back up. So. I guess speaking of signing day, why don't we start with some more signing day news that just happened, I guess, the day after we did our last episode of this podcast. So, Jordan, you want to talk about a little bit about Auburn's new running back? Absolutely. You know, when Brian Horson talked to us on Wednesday on National Signing Day, he said, you know, that it's not over with yet. And not only was he talking about that they could add grad transfers through the summer uh, to, to kind of boost certain positions, but you know, that early signing period, or I should say February, everybody looks at National Signing Day as the day, but it's really just the first day. And we saw that the Friday after National Signing Day. Jarquez Hunter, a three-star running back out of Philadelphia, Mississippi. Yeah. Uh, same town, at least, as Marcus Dupree, if anybody remembers uh, Oklahoma Sooner running back back in the day. Jarquez Hunter signed with Auburn. I think that was what most people expected, not only – because of how Auburn kind of came in. And he was probably their, uh, Jarquez's, uh, Auburn was probably Jarquez's biggest offer other than Mississippi State. He had Southern Miss and a few other schools like that. Um, so that was big for Auburn given how big the need was at running back. The depth had just been decimated since uh, the start of last fall. So that was big to get Jarquez Hunter. He's a really talented running back. I think he rushed for like 22 Rushing touchdowns as a senior, something like 1,700 rushing yards, if I'm remembering correctly. I think that was big. You know, he's probably not going to be a guy that you see play right away, but you have to have depth at the running back position, especially in the SEC. And, you know, they had Tank Bigsby and they had Sean Chivers, and now they got Jarquez Hunter, and they've also moved Devin Barrett uh, from defensive back. Uh, he, when he came to Auburn, he played running back. They moved him to DB. Moving him back to running back, which is really big. Um, so that was a big addition for Auburn. Uh, that's kind of been the the cherry on top of the signing class. And it did move that class up, I think, to like 27th in the country. And got him past Missouri. Big hey. Step forward in the SEC, got him past Missouri. Uh, you know, it, it it definitely was a good way to cap off that class. They, if they didn't sign a running back, it was going to be a really, really bad situation. But not only did they get a running back, they got a pretty quality one and, and a guy that'll be interesting to watch as he settles in and Jarquez Hunter. Um, I think he'll, I think he could play pretty soon because he, like he said, there's just not a lot of depth. So, I mean, he could be playing as a freshman this fall. Um, he won't be the featured guy. Obviously, that's going to be Tank Bigsby. But, um, yeah, and I think that's probably the last young guy they get in this class. Like, it's going to be all transfers for, 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 you know, all summer. So, and that's the nice thing that Brian Horson is stepping into is that they have the room to add some of those guys. I think, you know, at this point, they've got at least five or six openings, and they may have more guys decide to transfer as we go through spring. You know, there may be guys who 
see sort of their situation on the depth chart and decide to leave. Um, so Brian Harston and those guys have a real opportunity to to really weigh what their needs are. They can look through the transfer portal because there are some still really talented guys that are you know looking for a new home, looking for a new school. Um, so I think it sets up well. It just kind of depends on how Brian Harson and the rest of the staff wants to fill out certain uh, needs going into the summer. Now, I would say the biggest news with Auburn football probably isn't the signing class or signing day, but, you know, just a few days after National Signing Day, Auburn got some good news with their new football facility, the $91.9 million new football Finally. facility. So the hope of this is obviously to increase recruiting and make this program even more of a championship program. So with the finalization, I guess, of this project actually moving forward, do you think this football facility will – make any sort of an impact on the Auburn's recruiting ability and ability to win championships? I think it's a step in the right direction. You know, I don't think that you can say a facility equals, you know, go ahead and clear out the trophy case. We're bringing <laughs> but when you are in recruiting, you're going to be compared to the other schools. And quite frankly, you're going to be compared with Alabama and probably even less so with Georgia, but, you know, especially Alabama in the state. Um, you have to have the top facilities that, you know, it's, it amounts to an arms race, especially in SEC football. You have to show that there is commitment to what you want to do. And sometimes it's a little bit extravagant. Do they need a recording studio? <laughs> I argue one way or the other, but it, it shows that they're willing to pull out all the stops that the university has invested in making sure that Auburn has the top uh, facilities that they're on par that they're comparable with the nation's top programs so you know with some of the things you could argue uh, but you know some of the things I think that the, the the recording recording studio makes sense I think the aviation simulator I think is probably my favorite part of this because we've seen I mean, there are football players that are going to Auburn and, and you know have interest in, in becoming a pilot and things like that um, so I think that it doesn't necessarily equate to championships come and go in and book it. But I think it is a very much a step in the right direction because again, this is an arms race. And if you're going to play college football as an SEC program in the state of Alabama, it's pretty much what have you done for me lately? And, and what do we have that can help us keep pace with the Crimson Tide? As I, I put on Twitter, it's about Jimmy's and Joe's not recording studios. Oh, I've always said that, you know, that's the age old saying, uh, yeah, it's, it will help there. Um, it will counteract the negative recruiting, but it doesn't mean five stars are going to come here because they come here, they're going to come here for the coaches. They're going to come here for relationships. That's, that's what, and as much as, you know, as much as people like to say, oh, well, I love Auburn, the school and all these kids love Auburn, the school, that's not really it. Um, every once in a while, you're going to get a lifer like Bo Nix, you know what I mean? But um, you know, it's about coaches and it's about developing relationships and recruiting. That's what, that's the main part of recruiting. But like I said, it's a foundation. It's a baseline thing. And they're finally catching up. I mean, Clemson built that Taj Mahal 10 years ago. And, this, and so it's going to be 12 years by the time uh, this thing actually gets built. Um, but uh, it's, yeah, it's a step in the right direction. What do you think, Sarah P? What's, what, what are you most excited about? Recording studio, flight simulator? Well, I was about to ask both of you all that. Jordan already said some of the nifty features of this football facility. Personally, the barbershop. I mean, who doesn't go. love going right from football practice, walking into your own space and having a barber on staff right away to cut your hair? 
It's pretty good. And you know who else donated to this facility that wants to see it do well and see Auburn football do well is Bruce Pearl. Oh, yeah. You know, Bruce Pearl's program starting to, you know, pick up, up back up a little bit of steam after a three-game losing streak. And team finally picked up a win against Vanderbilt last night. What a segue, Sarah P. That was beautiful. That was, that was a tr truly done – I mean, well done. Well done, Sarah. Uh, yeah, the f first half of that game uh, – Congratulations to anyone who watched all 20 minutes of that first half because it was U-G-L-Y. It did not have an alibi. It was <laughs> but Auburn was lucky in that it was almost just as bad for Vanderbilt. It was ugly, ugly, uh, besides really Jamal Johnson. Jamal Johnson, who I wrote about, um, we're talking today uh, on Wednesday, I wrote about, so that'll be in tomorrow's paper. I mean, he was a saving grace the first half. He had several goals, uh, several three-pointers, and um, really kind of kept Auburn from getting run out of the first 10 minutes of the game against Vanderbilt. Uh, and then after that second half, really the whole team really got back into a rhythm, especially Sharif Cooper. <laughs> Sharif had one point in the first half and ended with 19. <laughs> so uh, that was big, and he also had some – some big baskets down the stretch and hit some really big free throws. So that was very much needed. I think had they lost that game, it would have been a, a pretty rough kind of end uh, as they look to, to what's left of the season. But um, very much a win they needed against the Vanderbilt team that has shown flashes lately. They're still one of the, the weaker teams in the SEC. But they had pushed Georgia, um, had lost by three to Georgia, and, and the game before that had beaten South Carolina for their first SEC win. So – um, was not pretty, but a win's a win, and that's big, especially with, with what they're looking at, especially uh, on Saturday with a, a trip to Lexington. Now I want to chime in here. You know, everybody hears a lot about Jamal Johnson's three-point game and everything, but I don't know if any of y'all have listened to ESPN broadcasts, and if you have, you probably already know that Jamal is a Auburn University graduate already and the School of Communications and Journalism. So. Oh. Knowing him and seeing him on sidelines, I think he wants to do something kind of like we're doing here. Um, just in case if you haven't heard the multiple ESPN broadcasts mention that Jamal wants to go into doing what we are doing. Um, Jamal Johnson already creating headlines for the oh. Is that the, the Jared Stidham is from Texas? I got, I got something for you guys. Here's, let's spit some cold, hard facts about Auburn basketball right now. So I, I just remember after the Ole Miss game, right? Everyone's freaking out. It's like, oh, they got three straight losses, blah, blah, blah. This team is just bad. Here's the thing about Auburn fans. We told you that this team was going to be bad. You're the ones who decided that they should have beaten uh, Gonzaga and should have beaten Baylor. That was you. That's your fault. We said from the beginning that this is a rebuilding team. And that's all I saw in this three-game losing streak, to be honest with you. I mean, everyone's like – the wheels, wheels are coming off. Everything's on fire. Like we said, they kind of emptied the chamber against Baylor, showed up a little bit dead against Georgia. And against Ole Miss, that's an inexperienced team. You had Schuler and uh, what's the other guy, Romello White, who had played 100 college basketball games who were just more experienced and played better because those are some dudes who played some really good games. I just – I think this game kind of shows um, – and it, it, it kind of showed how – it, it kind of encapsulates everything because a young team can go on the road in a weird arena up there in Vanderbilt – and where Auburn never wins, they can have a terrible first half, then adjust, they get a little bit of help from their coach, they get to that side offensively, they flip to that side to where Bruce is 
uh, and they played a lot better offensively. Um, that's just, that's a young team. Um, and I think in the last couple of weeks, it's been a little bit of a reality check. But, you know, when everyone's saying this is a bad team, I mean, yeah, but I think they're a rebuilding team, and I think they're a rebuilding team on schedule. What do you guys think about that? I agree, and I think the thing that people have trouble with is that, to me, if you use one word to describe this core group is potential. And the part of that that people have a hard time understanding is you don't – if you're saying they have potential, they haven't met it yet. They're not there yet. And, you know, I think we take for granted, and I'll speak to this just as, you know, in the way I watch sports sometimes, you kind of see talent and you think, okay, well, it's going to be a seamless transition because they're really good recruits and they're going to automatically, and it's like, it's not like a video game where they have a score and they just step in and that's their score and they're going to automatically, it's more complicated than that. You got Georgia last year had Anthony Edwards, the number one pick or whatever pick, and they were terrible. <laughs> First pick, and they won maybe 10 games. Like, just yeah. there is the dynamic of guys playing together, learning to play together, learning each other's strengths. It's just not seamless. And given, I mean, they lost their top six players from last year. Like, it was not, I mean, if they'd have brought in the dream team, there would have even been an acclimation period because they hadn't played together. It's just, you know, people, I understand as a fan, you want to think, especially because, you know, this has been unprecedented, the consistency that this program has had with Bruce Pearl, that you want to think it's going to keep going. But you also have to have realistic expectations. And I think that that's what we've seen. There's been flashes where, you know, maybe they probably shouldn't have hung that close with Alabama in Tree's first game. That was exceeding expectations. But that's what it was. So don't make the expectations different just because they played a really, really good team close. And speaking of Alabama, I think it's hard this year for Auburn fans to grasp that Alabama is the one seed right now at the top of the conference. And Auburn's kind of struggling along. I think it's always hard for Auburn fans to kind of be the little brother in something that they thought they were the big brother in, which the past few years, Auburn's been able to dominate with basketball where Alabama's been able to dominate in almost every other sport, especially football. So I think basketball was the one thing Auburn fans were like, this is our turf, we don't want to lose it. And this year it's kind of like, oh crap, we've given you our turf. And it's kind of hard, but you know what? The final four team, they lost a ton of games and got blown out by Kentucky at Rupp Arena and were able to turn turn it around and go to the final four. And you know, speaking of the wonderful Rupp Arena, this young Auburn team has a chance to go to Rupp and, you know, maybe finally get their first win of the season, first win there in Rupp Arena at Kentucky for the first time in a while. So what do you all kind of expect to see out of this game? Yeah, if if I'm recalling correctly, 1988 was the last time. Was anybody on this podcast alive? (laughs) No. No, No. it was not. Yeah, it was not. Sonny was not. Sonny was the last coach to beat him. Yeah, I mean, if – they're going to break this streak. This is probably the time to do it. Kentucky continues to struggle this year. They just come off a really mismanaged, it looked like at the end, loss to Arkansas, um, where they probably, Kentucky should have won it and just kind of blew that opportunity. It's been a rough season for Kentucky, but I think that, you know, even with the COVID situation and even with, you know, a limited, uh, you know, attendance at that game that, Playing at Rupp Arena is still going to be a challenge. And, again, we've just talked about the expectations with Auburn. 
I think Auburn has the ability to, to win that game. You know, we saw them beat Kentucky a few weeks ago at Auburn. Um, but it's all going to come down to how they play, and I think specifically how they play on defense. We saw – I really felt like they did a much better job playing on defense against Vanderbilt. But, again, we're talking about Vanderbilt, um, who's not one of the better teams. Though I will say that they slowed down Scotty Pippen Jr., who is one of the SEC's top playmakers in scoring and, and, uh, and assists. Um, so I, I think that Auburn's got a pretty good chance, but um, they're going to have to show up and, and play really well and uh, can't really afford to have maybe a slow start like we saw them have against Vanderbilt. How about this? How about this stat? Not only is Sonny Smith the last Auburn coach to win in Lexington, he is the only coach to have ever won in Lexington twice in 1983 and 1988. Auburn's record at Kentucky in men's basketball is 2-49. and 49. So there you go. BP has a chance to make some history and join some uh, small company. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two out of 50. <laughs> we'll see what Saturday holds for Auburn, I guess. I, I find it tough to see Auburn still winning at Rupp Arena. I know Coach Cal is still, I don't think, very happy about losing to Auburn at Auburn. So knowing him, he'll fire his team up. And I'm we'll sure see. Charles Barkley will be giving him crap before the game like he always does. So that'll you'll Coach Cal even more. We'll see with that young. I mean, that's the thing about Auburn. They're young and they're talented. So if they all click at the same time, yeah, they can win. So we'll see. Well, moving to women's basketball. Women's basketball has not one, but two big rivalry games headed this week, starting tomorrow against Georgia, who they lost to previously by just about 30. And then they face Alabama for the Iron Bowl women's basketball, who they previously lost to already this season. Um, Obviously, big games, but this team's on an 11-game losing streak. Well, we can talk about uh, Unique Thompson, who's closing in on that record. Uh, I think she's about 40 rebounds short. She's got like eight or six games to do it. Uh, she's got it. She's, she's got it in her sights. Uh, she had a really big 19-rebound game uh, uh, one of these days, and that really kind of put her over the edge. So she's, she's right there. Um, she'll get the, oh, so she's a lot closer to 40. My bad, 118 minus 91. She's 27 short with, with a lot of games left. So she's not going to get it. This She could get it during this rivalry stretch, probably not against Georgia, but then maybe against Alabama right after that. Um, that's definitely doable. And if not, she'll get it the game after that. So within the next few games, uh, she's going to break the rebounding record at Auburn. And that's uh, 1,018 by Becky Jackson in the early 1980s. So it stood for a really long time. And uh, she's leaving her mark. I want to point out a uh, shout out to my buddy Brandon Sudge, who covers Georgia. Uh, get ready for this Auburn game. Asked uh, Joni Taylor, who is Georgia's coach, what makes Auburn unique? And ah. I, got a, I got a pretty good laugh out of Joni. So, congrats, Sudge. And speak, I did see um, an article recently that has unique as the top rebounder in this year's yes. WNBA draft. So, that's some pretty that's a pretty good title you want to have near the end of the season and kind of a struggling year for the Sovereign team. She leads the NCAA in rebounds per game with 13 and a half. Not bad if you're unique Thompson and not bad to have her on your team if you're Auburn basketball. Well, you know, spring's in the air, guys. I don't know if y'all have been outside. It's like raining every other day, 90 degrees, maybe not 90, but almost 70 degrees and humid as can be, which means what time of year it is, it is spring sports season. So 
the two of you got to talk to Auburn baseball coach Butch Thompson and then got to speak to Auburn softball coach Mickey Dean this week. You know, Auburn softball is about to open up their season on Saturday. And we're just about a week and a half out from Auburn baseball. Sure. We, we can do softball first since they start this Friday. Um, it's kind of an interesting dynamic with them because they've uh, they had five seniors super seniors, five seniors from last year who committed to return to stay in school, get some more work done and, and to play again. Um, so they're starting, their schedule isn't even complete right now, but they're starting with Southeastern uh, Missouri State um, this Friday at home. They're gonna try to, he, <clears throat> Mickey said they're allowed to play 56 games. So he's gonna try to play 56. He's just gonna add as many people as he can. Uh, a lot of that is gonna be host tournaments if they can, but he'll go to wherever. Um, he's going to add as many people as he can. So the schedule still isn't complete, but it's kind of an interesting dynamic because they did bring in a pretty talented recruiting class. We're kind of seeing that across the SEC. I mean, the SEC is the best conference in softball, and they're going to get, you know, their pick of their pick of the litter uh, all across the Southeast. Um, so a strong freshman recruiting class mixed with a lot of veteran players, including a set of super seniors is what he calls them from last year. So it's just a matter of mixing them together, blending them in. Um, he says they're doing a good job with the, the whole leadership thing. So we'll see. It's a, that, that'll be a work in progress. And, and it's kind of, they're kind of rebuilding. I don't know, not rebuilding, but I feel like everyone in the country is kind of doing this COVID season for the first time. So everybody's kind of learning on the go and kind of putting the tracks in front of them as the train rolls. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, they start this weekend and then Jordan baseball starts one week from this Friday, I think. Yes, they're going to hit the ground running. It's been really interesting to talk to Butch Thompson because we talked to Butch back in the fall when they were first kind of getting back as far as practicing for the spring. You know, and he pointed out at that point, a lot of those guys hadn't played in so long that he said the biggest thing they were really stressing was like in-game strategy. I mean, you know, like right. running, you know, things like leaving for home from third on certain hits to that field, stuff like that, because they hadn't played in so long. But I'm really interested to see how this team and really these early lineups kind of shake out because, you know, they have a lot of guys coming back from the season that was cut short. And now you have that along with some of the guys that they've signed to talking to Butch, he's been really excited about some of these guys they've added, but the infield especially is really, really deep. They're going to have to figure out who they want to play where. I know that they've worked several guys at several different positions, trying to make sure that they can get the most out of their lineup. They got plenty of talent. I'll be really interested to see what this pitching rotation looks like. Uh, you got a guy like Jack Owen that, Wound up dislocating his finger uh, since uh, we talked to Butch. He mentioned that on Tuesday. So he's going to be out for a little while. How does that sort of mess with uh, what they had planned, what they're able to do with, with their pitching staff and what they wanted to look like? So, you know, we saw since the last time Auburn had a full season, they went to Omaha and, you know, there's still talent. Uh, I think it's just going to be a matter of figuring out what the lineups look like, what is the most effective way to play some of these guys. And I think the, the early stretch of the year will be really interesting because I, I would have to think that Butch and his coaching staff is going to really work, um, you know, with different lineups and try a lot of different things, especially before conference play starts. Um, so it'll be really fun to see. I know those guys are just excited to be back on the diamond. I think they were, you know, really looking to build off of that Omaha run last year and, and the spring got cut short because of COVID, but I know they're pumped and, you know, it's a good problem to have, uh, to have that much talent just trying to figure out where to put it. 
Um, the problem with that is there's a lot of programs that are in that same spot. So they're going to be trying to figure out who works best where, while other teams that have plenty of talent as well are doing the exact same thing. I think it'll be pretty interesting this year with both the, both softball and baseball, just because I think maybe each program got maybe one or two weekends in last year before finding out, hey, your season's on pause. Oh, no, your season's done for now. And then knowing that their championships were canceled and then still having the possibility of their conference tournaments and then all of a sudden that being taken away. I'm sure for these teams, it's probably going to be great for those players to get back on the field for the first time. I know we're all ready to see it. I, I think it's going to be a fun season. And, and again, I, you know, I've even talked to some of the high school coaches. It's like, no matter what you're dealing with, it's like, we're going to have a season, so let's go do it. Well, guys, I think that's pretty much everything going on in Auburn sports. But congratulations to Jordan Hill on being the only one out of us three to pick the Buccaneers to win the Super Bowl. So congratulations, Jordan. You get bragging rights among the office. Uh, Justin and I clearly picked the wrong team. I said I was rooting for the Chiefs. I don't, I don't, I'm no expert. I don't know. I mean, hey, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, and, and now Raheem uh, uh, Rochez Nunez from Phoenix City. So you got two Auburn University guys and a Central guy now have championship rings. So you thought, you know, maybe that was the the big de uh, deciding factor for me. Either way, hey, I, I, I'm not right very often, so I'm gonna ride on this one for a little bit. It was not a bad weekend for East Alabama athletes in that Super Bowl. But also, um, I'd like to say congratulations to myself for figuring mm -hmm. out that picking Malik Dunbar to possibly be on Auburn's TBT team. Um, he was the person that the program was kind of getting at surprise announcing last week that we kind of talked about. And they announced on Friday that it was going to be Malik Dunbar joining Don Gel for War Tampa. That's so. he's he's built for that man. He's, that's gonna be that's gonna be fun, and so will the social media that week in and around it. <laughs> It'd definitely be fun. So, guys, what do you have coming along this week? Really excited. I think this will probably roll out this weekend. Um, talked to Bobby Wright, who's been at Central Phoenix City since I think like 1975, 76. He's been there a long time. He and his wife, Carolyn, have been the basketball coaches there forever and ever, decades upon decades. Sat down with them, going to talk to them, uh, kind of work through um, what's going to be the end of Bobby's career. Um, they're playing in the area tournament. They're going to have to beat Smith Station in order to keep the season alive. And uh, so talked to them, talked about their relationship, um, talked about what it's been, meant to be at Central for so long. So that'll be uh, coming down the pipe here probably in the next few days, and then we'll have – Auburn and Kentucky basketball. And then if anything comes up on the football side, we're going to be all over that as well. Yeah, we got uh, softball coming up this weekend. Uh, we'll be over that. And then, um, yeah, and then we got gymnastics on the road at Missouri. Um, that'll be, that'll be fine. We'll have some more stuff there, but uh, yeah, that's about it. We're, that's a lot of stuff. We got, we got our hands in different pies right now. Winter sports and spring sports intersect. So definitely lots of good coverage to follow y'all along on Twitter on other forms of social media, and of course, in the paper, OA and OANow.com, both all three or four, however many platforms you get to read their content, all, all great resources to find. Um, so that's all I have. Do you guys have anything else exciting going on this week? I think that's it. Just hitting the ground running with start of spring and wrapping up winter sports and 
just watch and see if some of these local uh, kids win some more championships. I know we got wrestling. Uh, they had indoor track. Uh, again, it's a busy time of year, but uh, we're built for it, man. Bring it on. That's what we do. We live in the briar patch. Let's go. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in on wherever you listen to podcasts and listening to us or watching us on your computer. We all really appreciate it as we kind of venture into this new world of ONU sports podcasting and sports shows. So we'll catch y'all again, same spot, about the same time next week.